Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. What's talent but the ability to get away with something? Welcome to Imposter Syndrome, the 125th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century playwright Tennessee Williams. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Fuck You, Finn. I'm Ode's father. No, go back and do it right. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. Uh, so Tennessee Williams? Tennessee Williams, who wrote, among other things, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of other famous shit. Many, many famous <laughs> plays. And I think some poems and yeah, all kinds of things. He's best known as a playwright, I think. Yes. But because he, he yeah, truly, his, an astonishing... His playwright was his thing. Uh, an astonishing list of, like... Top plays were Tennessee Williams plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so start with housekeeping. We should say Happy New Year because this is the first official oh, yeah. episode of the it's new true. year. It's true. So Happy New Year, Pride. Happy New Year, Pride. Happy New Year, Pride. All right. ASMR. All right. <laughs> Time to read all the patrons. All right. <laughs> so back. people had asked that we tell them the numbers mm-hmm. for each group as well. So I am going to do that this time. I don't know that I'll do it every time, but this time I will. So we have 34 kittens. Wow. Thanks to our many, many kittens. We love you, kittens. We have 27 cats, and they are Bryn Johnson, Cabra, Cheryl, Christine Phillips, Christopher Dolby, Cindy Barrick, Alora Driver, Elisa Durka, M. Talasavari, Jasmine Ray Bell, JD, JT, Coney Briggs, Kai Oakenshield, Laura Corvus, Malks, Megan, Michael Adonisio, Rebecca Hillman, Rhonda Graham, Shelby, Shakora, Sora Koff, Squiggy, The Dryad, Tiffany, and Zacchaeus. Thank you, cats. Mm-hmm. We love you. And now. And now. <laughs> taking a drink. Now, first tell them the number so they know. Yeah, yeah. 81 of them. Holy cannoli. So this is going to be a long list. It's going to be a long list. Sit back. Alyssa Addy, Amber Tannis, Amy Martin, Andy Olson, Autumn Tooley, Beck Blackwell, Ben Walburn, Blondie, Briar Aldridge, Brittany, Cara B, Carly Hodges, Charles Howison, Cosmic Rose, Delilah Darge, Darby Lockridge, David Doshven Keys, Disgruntled Honeybee, Elfwort, Emily Hall, Emily Miller, Emily Suckalow, Felicia Hudson, Finn Odinson, Gary Bearstorm, Goddess Incognito, Haley Finley, Heather Nunley, Hojin Co, Indigo, Yanni, Jax, JC Helmer, Jen, Jeremiah Keel, Jessica Jones, Juniper Shadowcat, Caleb King, Katie Goodmote, Kaylin Casey, Ken Hub, Kimberly Lockabee, Le Petit Poison, Laura Loki, Logan Olafson, Laura Ani, Lee Knapp, Meg Parks, Megan Kipper, Megara, Melissa Gerben, Melkor, Meredith Kenton, Misha Magdalene, Alwyn Crow, Alice Perch, Pablo B. Fordor, Ray Lothrop, Rhiannon M. Gray, Rochella and Dashvid, Rana, Rose Kiernick, Ryan Hopkins, Sarah Grace, Sarah Mims, Sarah Odinson, Scooby, Shannon Bednar, Sean the Heathen Hedgewitch, 
Sila Bond, Shybe, Sky Poyfair, Sloth, Sprouty, Stephanie Edwards, Stevie Thompson, Tanya McWilliam, The Pirate Cove, The Sugar Maple Seder, Usha Ursa, Victoria Selness, and Zemina Kokoro. Wow. Wow. And we love you, Hunters. And by the way, according to Mackenzie, not to be picky, you said Petite Poison incorrectly, and I probably just did too. So. <laughs> Fuck you, Mackenzie. <laughs> leopards. <laughs> there are 12 leopards. Akaneko, Christian Villegas, Ellen Veals, Foxchild, Gemma Atkinson, Kimberly, Squeaky Reynolds, Kitty Robinson, Laurel and Faithful, also known as Scubus, Mackenzie, Fuck You Boyer, uh, QQ Ann, Robin Archer, and Stephanie W. We love you, leopards. Tigers, we have eight. Okay. Okay. Our Summit, Kirsten Gill, Krish Ashburn, Crystal Potinen, who I pronounced wrong, so it's Crystal from Apothecary Tees. Elaine Glansberg, Nick's Falling Leaf, and Raymond Stovall. We love you. Tigers. 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 I'm losing track. Panthers. <laughs> we have two. Allie Robinson and Elizabeth Bull. We love you, Panthers. you, Panthers. And we have four Jaguars. Jaguar. Amanda Hicks, Kelly Burt, Justin Stanage, and Kirsten Ray. <laughs> Thank you to our Jaguars. We love you, Jaguars. Getting through that list once a month. Holy uh-huh. <laughs> Although we love every each and every one of our listeners and mm-hmm. our and our patrons, but we, we do especially thank our patrons for your generosity. Yes. Even though, you know, car murders your name <laughs> <laughs> once a month. You pay for that privilege. You pay for that privilege. <laughs> To have your name murdered once a month. If you don't want to have it read, you can always be a kitten for only one dollar. That's right. Or get a casual <laughs> fuck you thrown in there uh-huh. with love. <laughs> okay. Rabbit just said there are enough fuck yous to, for, for everyone. everyone. Yeah, yeah. that's because so. Finn was fighting with Mackenzie about how Mackenzie's not allowed to steal Finn's fuck yous. You know, there's a whole thing going on. There's a, there's there's... a fuck you economy. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, talk about the things you do. I don't do nothing now. Gwen doesn't do anything anymore. I don't do nothing. I don't do anything anymore. Car, talk about the things you do. What do I do? <laughs> oh, so Sundays. every Sunday at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we do a Zoom call that has absolutely no meaning, no script, no anything. Just people can show up and talk. Yeah, just and it's general chit chat. Yep, and it's actually a great time. Mm-hmm. So I think we had 15 total in this week. It's not bad. Not yeah. a bad turnout. Not your highest turnout. Not my highest turnout, but it was a it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Every other Tuesday, so not this upcoming Tuesday, but the next Tuesday, January the 12th, mm-hmm. uh, will be the next episode of Three Pagans on Tap, which is at 7 p.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can join us there, and we talk about alcohol and how it affects us and our relationship with our gods. Mm-hmm. And that's myself. Sarah Odinson and Malika Odinson. And on January 12th, we're going to be joined by Finn Odinson. A fuck you, Finn. A fuck you, Finn. <laughs> because it is both Finn and my birthday. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we will be drinking scotch and talking about how that relates to our gods. So that should be a good time. Yes. Now, we're so we're house kept and house swept. There we go. What are we talking about today? We're talking about imposter syndrome, otherwise known as the imposter phenomenon or imposter experience, because it is a non-pathological psychological experience, which was uh, first detailed in the 70s. And according to the International Journal of Behavioral Science in 2011, at least 70% of people experience imposter feelings at some point in their lives. Yeah, it's extremely common. Mm -hmm. One of... 
the most common shared experiences. It is. It's just a question of whether you let it, like, define your life Mm -hmm. or learn to go with the flow. Well, I have an official definition if you want me to read it. Yep. Okay. So imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. Mm-hmm. So how I feel about being on this podcast every week. And how yep. many okay. pagans and witches feel, especially if they're new to their path mm-hmm. and they start comparing themselves to other people mm-hmm. or hearing about other people's experiences. It's very easy for people to experience this. And again, it's 70% of people in well, general. It in right. various fields. In, in various their fields. careers, mm-hmm. in their romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. In, in their parenthood. Uh-huh. So... Uh, All kinds of life experiences are susceptible Mm -hmm. to imposter syndrome, and your religious experience is one of them. Yep, exactly. There are sort of five main, quote, types or styles of the imposter. I get to find out which one I am. Go ahead. Yeah, of the the (laughs) imposter syndrome experience. Mm -hmm. First is the perfectionist which is someone who is never satisfied with their performance and even the slightest flaw, they'll fixate on it and believe that because there was this tiny flaw in their product or in their result, the entire thing was invalidated and they don't deserve to be there or to have the success that the result awarded them because there was this flaw in it. The second is the superhero who believes that because they are inadequate in some way because they're not skilled enough or talented enough for this work. They have to work extra hard. Mm. So they put in double or triple the workload that someone else in this position does, even though they have the same skills and talents because they are self-assessing their skills and talents lower than they actually are. I think you find mothers, new mothers, experience this a lot, especially if they have to work as well as take care of their their babies. Mm. Also very common in people who are like starting a new job, Mm -hmm. things like that. The next type is the expert, which is someone who is highly skilled but doesn't believe that they ever have enough information on the subject, so is constantly trying to build more of their knowledge base and underrates their expertise. So even though they are an acknowledged expert in their fields, they have master's degrees, PhDs, lots of experience uh, in the subject that they're addressing, they feel like they don't have as much information as they need to to be fully qualified. I wonder if that's how some people become quote-unquote professional students. Uh Very much so, I think. Mm -hmm. Then you have the natural genius, which is someone who sets a a lofty goal for themselves, and then if they don't succeed at that level the first time they try, they're crushed and Mm -hmm. believe that it's useless and they're useless and they, you know, they're never going to accomplish the thing because it took more than one try or because there was a learning process. Kind of um, like you and walking. Yes. That, yes. <laughs> so tell the story. <laughs> okay. Well, actually it was, it was rolling over, <laughs> but Ode as an infant was very reticent to do anything unless they could do it right the first time. And that included rolling over from their back to their tummy and getting up on their knees to to crawl. They couldn't crawl the first time, so they just stopped trying yep. until they could actually get up on their hands and knees and do the actual crawling. I would make one attempt, fail, and give up. Yep. <laughs> until I had reached a, a new developmental plateau where I felt yep. qualified to try again. It was very strange. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Uchiyarsa is saying kids who are in the gifted and talented program. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You'd see the natural genius type of imposter syndrome most commonly in, in people who were in those kind of programs or who were told that they were very smart mm-hmm. or, you know, who they were in the 90th percentile or whatever in whatever category. Because things came very naturally to them in the mm-hmm. early stages, as soon as they have to put effort into something in the later stages, they feel like because it's not the same kind of immediate natural success that they're used to and that they've been told they should expect Mm -hmm. and that is natural and normal for them, they feel like failures. Yeah. Then the fifth type is the soloist. This is someone who uh, prefers to work alone, has high standards, but doesn't feel that they can or should ask for help reaching those standards and they have high standards for everyone else but their expectation and their reality don't match up with their own work and Mm. instead of asking for help they just do work that they feel is insufficient and then either don't turn it in Mm. or do it again and again and again until they reach you know what they consider an acceptable level of success but Mm. either way they refuse to reach out and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Can I be all five of them simultaneously? I think most people are, yeah. I think most, people, yeah. I think I most think. people experience all of these yep. styles. Uh, I think the same way imposter syndrome is a very commonly experienced phenomenon. Mm-hmm. People sort of vacillate or move in and out of the different styles of mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Yeah, I think I'm all Squeaky of them all says, at the same time. Yeah, I'm all of them. <laughs> I know I've experienced those various things mm-hmm. at different times in my and life. And I think some sometimes you'll have one style for a specific area of your life and another style for a different area of mm-hmm. your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because imposter syndrome is, or the imposter experience, is a non-pathological mm-hmm. phenomenon, it's not something that you can be medicated for. Nope. You can go to therapy, but it's not, like, they're not going to cure you of it. No. They're just going to give you coping skills because you're always going to experience imposter moments. Everyone experiences moments of doubts about their competency. What makes it imposter syndrome is that it's recurrent. Mm -hmm. and sort of a constant feature of your life, and it's actually preventing you from doing things. Because there are two sort of main ways to respond to imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. which are over-preparation, where because you believe you don't belong in the field or that you're not qualified to do the work, you try to make up for it by doing too much work. Right. Sort of a quantity over quality, uh, over-perceived quality, not Mm. actual quality. Right. And the other way is procrastination, where because it's causing you anxiety, your brain says, I don't want to deal with the thing that's causing me anxiety. Mm -hmm. I'm going to avoid that and not think about it and do self-soothing things instead. And then the work never gets done, which causes you more anxiety Mm -hmm. and it becomes a a self-defeating cycle. Exactly. Which I can uh, can attest to. Mm -hmm. I was thinking um, about probably a year or two ago, it may have been last year, I'm not sure. I wrote an article on uh, imposter syndrome because I'd actually read something by my friend Martha Kirby Capo from the Corner Crone, but it made me think of this this young lady who had contacted me probably in our first year of the podcast, who she was a new witch and she was coming out of the church and she was not sure of herself. And so she was asking lots of questions and I was doing the best I could to, to answer her. And she had purchased a bunch of books, and she had been real excited about it for a while. Mm -hmm. And then she attempted a spell, Mm -hmm. and it didn't work. And immediately she thought, maybe I'm not supposed to. I can't. I'm... I don't, I don't know if I'm doing this or, you know, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And she so, asked So that's a natural questions. genius. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. She thought it should have worked immediately. And when she started asking these questions, 
can I really do this? Am I really a witch? How do I know? What if I'm fooling myself? How can I be sure? And I, these aren't even exactly her questions. It's just these are the common questions people ask. They get this imposter syndrome. They question if they're on the right path because something they attempted didn't come out the way they expected. And so they automatically say, start thinking, this can't be real. Right. Which is not to say that there's anything wrong with questioning. Oh, whether, uh, doubts. Yeah. Exactly. Questioning whether a religious or spiritual path is right for you. You exactly. should always question that. Doubts are normal mm-hmm. uh, and healthy. Uh, like failing to have doubts about extraordinary claims would just make you gullible and easy to fool. So you, you do, do have doubts. That's why we always recommend people do their due diligence, uh-huh. their research. If something doesn't speak to you, it's completely okay to set it down and go find something else. Exactly. Yep. This girl, on the other hand, mm-hmm. she actually sold all her books and went back to the church. <laughs> Which is valid. It's valid. That's what makes her feel better. Exactly. But it's an extreme reaction to one failure. Right. Which is why I felt like this had more to do with imposter syndrome mm-hmm. than perhaps her questioning if she was on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know that prayer ever worked for me, but I, I waited, you know, like, 40 years to make that decision. Right, you gave that, you gave that plenty gave of that time. <laughs> to see if it works. Same with me. Gave it lots of time. Let it steep. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people, and that's one of, we've talked about this off and on yeah, over we've, the years. Yeah, we've mentioned this topic occasionally in various episodes, but it, this was a request, was that we do a whole mm-hmm. episode on the subject. And part of that is because, um, you know, we'll hear from people who say, well, I, I haven't been feeling into my practice mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm not a good witch because I haven't done this or I'm not a good pagan because I haven't done that. I haven't had these results with my spells. I haven't had these experiences with my gods. I, why can't I hear from them? Mm-hmm. Is there something? Am I blocked? Is there something I'm Is doing Is there something wrong, wrong with me? Exactly. Yeah. I think in... In pagan communities, and some of this is to do with social media, actually, mm-hmm. people have s- sort of expectations of, like, milestones for themselves, of what will make them feel pagan, right? Of mm-hmm. what experiences they should be having and what right they should be having them at. And some of that is down to, and it's not just social media, it's, we got this from books before. It's Mm -hmm. just more accessible now that social media and people putting their pagan paths and their journeys on the internet. Those experiences are curated. Mm -hmm. No one who is detailing their spiritual progress is, and is like making a blog about it, is going to tell you about the two months they spent not doing anything. They're going to tell you about the one dramatic vision experience they had, right? They're going to tell you about the the tarot readings that did come true dramatically. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to tell you about the 10 preceding ones that sort of didn't pan out or where the results weren't as expected or that had surprising results. They're going to tell you about the things that confirm their experiences or, or make their experiences seem or feel more... Validated. More valid, yeah. That's confirmation bias and sort of uh, like a form of survivorship bias, right? Where survivors are the ones who are reporting experiences because the people who don't make it through don't report at all. Mm-hmm. So you have this skewed representation of the of the true population mm-hmm. logan has just said um i've had so many times where i've had to take a break for a bit and come back later and i don't know how many times i felt like i w- wasn't doing enough 
And I think that is because people don't report on their fallow periods, mm-hmm. right? A time where you and, just aren't doing anything. Exactly. Perhaps. And, and you know, at, at most they'll be like, hey, I'm going on hiatus. Yep. And then you won't hear from them for six months. And then they'll come back with new, bigger experiences. Mm-hmm. But because you didn't hear in detail about those six months, for your brain, they might as well not exist. Mm-hmm. You only have in your brain that other people's pagan experiences are these big, dramatic, specific things. And then if you don't have those experiences exactly as that person did, you feel like you're not having valid or authentic experiences at all. And I, I do think that, um, like, Instagram and on um, Twitter, Tumblr. Tumblr, you see these gorgeous pictures of these very intricate altars mm. and these really beautiful setups. And you think, oh, why does my altar not look like this, you know? And that's another thing it comes down to. It's, that's a curated mm-hmm. thing. It's, a, it's, it's an aesthetic. It's designed to look really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we're talking people who know how to just really do a beautiful design or setup. And they're sharing that. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I, I love looking at those things as well. But if you have someone who's new to paganism or new to witchcraft, they see these elaborate altar setups mm-hmm. and they or these elaborate spell setups. Yeah, Squeaky says altar envy is a real thing. Yeah, and then you start thinking, well, my altar has to look like that. My spell has to be this intricate. My rituals have to look like this. And if they don't, that is where an imposter syndrome can come in because you feel like, well, if, if my... If my altar doesn't look this beautiful, Mm -hmm. maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe I'm not, maybe there's something wrong with me. Well, I think the people that have become, quote unquote, internet famous Mm -hmm. for their altar setup or... For their path. Their path Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Sometimes I think that leads to them being better at their path because it's almost expected now. So they have have to push themselves forward. Right, right, exactly. So sometimes I think like those things can be very good for the particular person who's posting it, not necessarily for everybody who's who's absorbing absorbing it, but for the person who's creating it, it gives them an outlet. Mm -hmm. I would. I would probably be not as far along in paganism as I am now if I didn't have the podcast. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because it gives us a reason. It gives us a responsibility, right, right, to sort of be more on top of it. But at the same time, like... I still suck at it. Exactly. So so we do this podcast. We talk now now every week. (laughs) I know. We've talked every week since last October. You're you're hearing new information for the first time ever. We do a podcast. Um, Wow. (laughs) So where every week we talk about a pagan subject. Occasionally we talk about our experiences, right? But I don't, like, usually have a reason to mention the fact that it's been, like, three or four months since I've done a private ritual. Mm -hmm. I I do a monthly ritual with my family. Yep. And... I still mostly remember to make offerings to my ancestors, but I haven't done like a private ritual. I haven't done like a a dedicated meditation journey. I haven't tried to do any lucid dreaming. I've just been taking a break Mm -hmm. and I haven't done any of that stuff in months. Mm -hmm. But you don't know that because like there's not a reason for me to mention it on the podcast most of the time. Right. So from... Mm -hmm. The perception of the people listening, it seems as though I'm a very active pagan, right? Mm-hmm. Who, I, who, as far as they know, I may be having experiences with my gods every week. But or I'm, daily. Or daily, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I'm 
sort of casually still staying engaged with my path, but I'm not aggressively pursuing it right now because I just mm-hmm. needed a break. That's kind of the same where I'm at as yeah. well. The the meditation I was doing on Mondays, which I'm, you know, no longer doing, that was my meditation for the week too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That was pretty much the most I was doing. I've been working with witches for the Green Earth Witchcraft Path, but I, in November, I, I realized I needed a break. Mm-hmm. And so we have, I haven't been doing anything Yeah. since November, probably end of October, early November. Yeah, just, uh, just our family just group our rituals. family group rituals. I've done a little bit of... Which are yeah. very unprepared. They're unprepared. And we're, we're very casual. Yeah, we, we basically just go like, all right, we're going to go light a fire and then we'll hail whoever it feels like we should hail at the time. We'll make whatever offerings we think we should at the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll do a spell or say a prayer or something and then we'll put out the fire and come back inside. That's yep, right. Yeah. And that's it. That's I've all done, we're doing. Exactly. And I've done some some very basic, like I did the candle lighting for mm-hmm. the Yule season. I've done some basic devotion for Hecate and uh, for Fruka. But other than that, I've really just been not doing anything. You know, yeah. and it's easy to to get to this point of... Am I really a pagan? You know, oh, why, why, you know, why am I not feeling this? But I, I just realized I needed a break. Mm-hmm. I'm in a fallow period. It doesn't mean I'm any less a Hecatean or any less a witch. Mm-hmm. You just um, can't go full speed all the time. Just can't go full speed all the time. And as much as I might like our altars to, to look like the Fancy Dan stuff mm-hmm. you see on Instagram, I would love that. But... Uh, there's a lot of upkeep in that. There's a lot of upkeep and, in that. And... For that matter, a lot of expense. What if the greatest tabletop hero you ever played turns out to be yourself? In Vector, Attack of the Metapirates, move beyond imagination as Captain Vector and his Metapirates do battle from game world to world, following players from setting to setting in an attempt to enter the real world. Will you help Captain Vector in his Pinocchio-like quest to enter the real world, or stop him from becoming a living nightmare? Only you can decide. Vector, Attack of the Metapirates, can be purchased at drivethroughrpg.com on a pay-what-you-want basis. Hail Dictinus! That one was great. That was awesome! Hail Dictinus and, I guess, Hail Captain Vector, for that matter. That's right. That's right. Excellent read. Now, going back to what we were discussing, um, I've seen some interesting things. Yeah, there's a ton of comments. A lot of interesting conversations happening in the discussion. Scubis has said, the holidays absolutely wrecked my practice. My sister bought me devotional beads, and that was about the only thing I did for two weeks. Less than a minute a day, most days. Which, hey. That's still more than I did. That's great. That's great. And then um, Maple said, I feel like because most of us come out of Christianity, we're used to being shamed about not being, quote unquote, real Christians. If you don't practice constantly, and that so I, I don't know about that. What is I, what is the Christian experience of like religious engagement? Because I know a, my understanding is a lot of Christians are just holiday Christians. Yeah, I think that's true. When you're super involved in a church, now you know I'm ordained in three different denominations. <laughs> super involved would be have, understating your involvement. Right, worked at other churches that were not part of those three denominations. Mm-hmm. I was super super involved. There were times when I was less involved, mm-hmm. but there were times when I like I would work for twenty four hours a day, seven days, doing a prayer doing room. Doing a prayer room, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and then you've got the you know the week leading up to it to get ready for it, and the week after to decompress, but you still have to stay in prayer during mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. But I always sucked, always sucked, <laughs> always sucked. 
always sucked at doing a morning devotional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not fucking awake in the morning enough to do a devotional. There was somebody else who said that they they basically expected to do daily prayer, daily devotion, daily Bible reading, and go to church every time they're supposed to. And that was pretty much me. Mm. That was my experience. That's not every Christian's experience, but if you're coming out of that, I can see why it would be influencing your pagan experience. Mm -hmm. Your religion doesn't have to be your entire life. No. Period. Yeah. Mackenzie said we were going to talk about how classist things might be. Because you have um, these gorgeous setups Mm -hmm. on Instagram or Twitter. Yeah. Any of the visual ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anywhere you can post a photo or a video. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's not even just the altars. You know, these really beautiful altars that you would like to be able to recreate but can't afford Afford. to. Because Mm -hmm. where are you going to find the money to get all the stuff on those altars? Mm -hmm. It's not even just that. It's time. Mm -hmm. Because... A lot of classism has to do with how much of your time belongs to you. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a lower class, or even the middle class, which is really just the upper lower class now, mm-hmm. very little of your time belongs to you. Most of it belongs to your employer. Mm-hmm. And some of it belongs to the government, but most of it belongs to your employer. And very little of it is yours. So you have to spend your time very wisely. Most of the time, recovering enough energy to go back to work and spend more of your time for your employer. And if you feel like your religious path, your your spiritual practice is taking up a lot of your time, and if you don't feel good and fulfilled at that while you're doing that spiritual work, if it is difficult work, if you have to do any kind of shadow work, mm-hmm. if your gods or, or ancestors or spirits are asking you to do difficult things, if you're not feeling connected and so you feel like you're wasting your time, any of these things, if your time is not rejuvenating you to then go back to work the next day, it becomes very, very hard justifiably to Mm -hmm. spend your time which is very valuable and limited doing that people in upper classes who have to spend much less time with employers or who are their own employers and who therefore decide what their time is worth those people because they have more time to spend on these things they have more time to quote waste on their spiritual practice right if it's not resources exactly more resources and if it's not working immediately, they can afford to keep trying. Someone in a lower class, if they spend time working on their spiritual practice and they feel like it's not working, they can't afford to keep trying because they've run out of their time. Finn has just said, there are so many heathen altars I see online that I would love to create, but time and finances are a huge obstacle. Mm -hmm. Let me just say this, Finn, you've been putting up, I think for Yule, you've been putting up pictures of your altar and candles lit for the various gods. Those are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And, and But they're not, I wouldn't say they're elaborate, and yet they are <laughs> yeah. for what they are. I, I think they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely gorgeous. And um, Rabbit says, if your mental health is bad, just changing the candles on your altar can feel like an all-day tour. That yeah. is right. absolutely and, and true. And Steph said, not enough spoons to go around. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think because we live, certainly in Western culture, mm-hmm. um, we live in a very capitalistic society mm-hmm. So your gods can go on the back burner the way mm-hmm. you see it because you only have enough spoons to get through the day of work. Yep. And then you don't have any spoons when you get home. And you can't really like trade those spoons out because you have to go to work. Exactly. So you're stuck in a in this kind of like a cycle loop. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. of you spend all your spoons at work. You get home, try to re- recover as many as you can so that you can spend them again the next day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the most I can do 
is light a candle for Hecate and for Frigga, and that's it. Sometimes if I'm feeling a little adventurous, I might read the oracle Mm -hmm. prayer for Hecate, but otherwise... Sometimes that's it. Yeah, well, and the, the last few months, I haven't even done that. Feeding my ancestors is a once-a-week obligation. And there have been weeks when I have failed it. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't lit any candles. I haven't done anything. Now, recently, I've started sort of ramping back up again, trying to remember to, to light the candle occasionally, so mm-hmm. I draw my attention back to that area, doing incense occasionally gonna try and ramp up meditation again but like knowing what your limits are there and just accepting that that they are what they are and you may not ever under this current situation be able to do substantially more than you are is okay comparing yourself to other people's spiritual practices is not productive exactly (laughs) and that was one thing i did want to bring up Mm -hmm. is like because when you compare your practice based on what you're seeing other people do on whether it's Facebook or Instagram or people that you know in your coven or your your grove or whatever if you're comparing your practice to anyone else's all you're going to do is intimidate yourself make yourself less likely to move forward in what is right for you and if that is a couple minutes a day with some prayer beads Mm -hmm. that's enough or just thinking about your gods yeah like, even if, Until if you all you to... can manage is, you know, once a day at a random point in the day when you need them, thinking, gosh, Thor would be great at this, you know? Like... Now, it can be helpful. Like, I think it's helpful for us mm-hmm. to have our once Something a month more structured. Structured. Somewhat structured. Semi-structured. The only thing structured, structured about it. It's structured in that it's happening. Exactly. Right, yeah. the it's only, on the calendar. That's yep. the only thing structured about it. But the point is we have a, okay, this is what we're doing on this day. Let's get together and do the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's been very helpful for me. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, the last several months I haven't done anything but the family. Ancestor. Well, and your ancestors. And, and my ancestor yep. stuff. And I haven't been doing work with the ancestors. I've just been keeping up like the bare minimum. I'm not giving them fancy offerings. I'm giving them whatever I'm having for dinner on the, mm-hmm. when I get the notice on my phone telling me that it's time to give an offering to the ancestors, which is the other way that I keep track of these things. Well, and I think that's a good way to do it, too. If, if you're if you're distractible like me. <laughs> at all, mm-hmm. um, having something that pops up and says, hey, you need to do this right. is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it can be helpful to have some kind of structure if, mm-hmm. if you are feeling like you're struggling. Right. But if you are in a fallow period, you do need to give yourself permission to be in that fallow period. So Squeaky said something interesting. I feel so bad. I was leaving small, inexpensive snacks for my gods once a week. Trail mix and Hershey's Kisses, which yeah, sounds like, like great offerings. That sounds good to me. Um, but then I started feeling that they weren't good enough, but I didn't know what would be good enough, so I just sort of stopped. And that's, that's a classic imposter syndrome mm-hmm. situation where you're making offerings, mm-hmm. you're doing what you feel is your obligation to your gods, mm-hmm. right? But you feel like you're not meeting a standard that you don't even know yourself what that standard would be. That creates a feeling of shame in you that because, you know, the brain doesn't like to feel shamed, Mm -hmm. makes you procrastinate to avoid the anxiety and just avoid the whole situation by stopping giving offerings at all. Mm -hmm. Classic imposter response. It's okay that that happened. It's not your fault that you felt bad about that. Your brain's just being an asshole. (laughs) Sometimes your brain is just an asshole 
And if you don't have enough practice telling your brain that it's being an asshole and it should shut up and leave you alone, it will just sort of run you over with a truck. And it can be hard to de- to recognize when you're having these kind of moments that mm-hmm. you are that you are feeling this way and it is not really associated with what's going on with in the reality situation. with the yeah. situation. It's something that your brain is is kind of conjuring. Mm-hmm. You're going into this downward spiral, this thought spiral, but it's not actually true in reality. And I think that's important for us to to talk about imposter syndrome and recognize it that is when in it fact, happens. That is in fact one of the main coping skills that if you go to a therapist about imposter syndrome They'll tell you the main thing to do is to talk about it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to acknowledge that this is happening, talk about it with other people. There's a 7 in 10 chance that the person you're talking to will have had the same experiences and will be able to relate. And talking about it demystifies it, Mm -hmm. right? Because the other people in your life can tell you that you are meeting the necessary standards Mm -hmm. and it's just your brain being an asshole. That's right. Again, I, we go back to this comparing your offerings to mm-hmm. someone else's, which might seem like they're more quote unquote authentic. And I, I don't think that's the only people who should be setting quality standards for your offerings are the people getting them. That's right. That's your ancestors and your spirits God. and gods. That's right. If they're fine with your offerings, like at the very least, if they haven't registered an objection with your offerings, mm-hmm. you are good to go. Exactly. Hershey kisses all the way, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if we all named our brains Finn, <laughs> we'd have an easier time telling it to fuck, fuck off. Aw, poor Finn. Leave Finn alone. <laughs> Join our tiger Kelly on a visit to Tree Wizard Creations, where you can find custom engraved creations for all paths. They offer unique gifts and tools for your altar, home, practice, and family. In addition to their standard product range, they offer custom commissions. If you can dream it, the wizard will create it. Contact them at treewizardcreations at gmail.com, follow them on Facebook, or find them online at treewizardcreations.com. That's wizard spelled with a Y, -Y W-Y-Z-A-R-D. Are you proud of me? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And the and the actual like website address is on the website in the copy. (laughs) And as Mackenzie said, you sound very confident. Yes. In your reading. So Dick Dick Dennis Dennis is is with with us. That's right. I've been I have little offerings over here. Mm -hmm. Which is just incense and candles by the way. Just rosemary. On top of a schoolcraft uh, encyclopedia Mm -hmm. for kids. It can be that simple. It can be that it can be simpler than that. One of the most basic and completely acceptable offerings, like let's just throw this out here, is water. Oh. Just plain water. That's usually what mine are. <laughs> perfectly acceptable offering for virtually every use. Mm-hmm. You can offer water to your ancestors. You can, and probably should, offer water to the land spirits. Mm-hmm. You can offer water to the gods. It is a standard traditional offering accepted in practically every path and tradition. Mm-hmm. It costs almost nothing if you get it from a tap or if you just set out a cup in the rain. 
you can offer water. It can be that simple. And I think, you know, we do have to take into account what our situation is, especially this past year, mm-hmm. the year of COVID. Point is, you know, a lot of people have experienced loss and frustration and stress and, you know, resources have mm-hmm. been stretched and limited. Of course, you're not going to be able to always give the offerings that maybe you feel like are the best offerings, but you give the best offerings from what your resources provide. Yes. And and your resources include your tangible stuff, Mm -hmm. your willingness to provide, and your available time. That's right. And it's okay if you have, like, the money to buy a fancy offering, but you don't have the time to go get it. Mm -hmm. So instead... You just offer water. That's right. That is acceptable. That's right. Or just the food from your pantry. Uh huh. You know, if you have some. Literally, chocolate, I offer from my own plate. There have all been the time. times I have offered chocolate chips to, yep. because that's what I had in my cover. You just you offer what you have available. Even if it's if that's what you have. Even the spirits who have very specific requests for offerings. So at the apartment, I made regular offerings to the house spirits, and they wanted milk. And red fruit. I don't know why they wanted those things, but those were the things they wanted. And so for like months, I offered them a little bit of milk and I think raspberries because mm-hmm. we had raspberries all the time at I that love, time. I love raspberries. We still always have raspberries. Yeah. raspberries yeah. And and then the time came for an offering and there were no raspberries in the house. And I went around the kitchen saying, what am I going to offer? I don't think we have any other red fruits. We don't have any cherries. We don't even have any red apples. We don't have any red fruit. Strawberries, nothing. I was like, will you accept a substitute? (laughs) And I will get you red fruits next time. And they said, yeah, give us blueberries. That'll be good enough for this week. Sometimes you just have to ask, and even if they have specific requirements, they will stretch for you mm-hmm. because they are present and can see the situation you're in. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, for instance, with Hakati, you know, mm-hmm. the, the deep nun, which is a, a monthly meal at the new, at the dark moon. Most of the time, it is garlic and bread or something off my plate, mm-hmm. something I've made for dinner that night because it's a meal. And that's what the ancient Greeks used to do. Yeah. They would feed Hakati the plate from what they had in their home. So it was olives and fruits and breads and things like that. They didn't, it wasn't something they that They weren't was, going out specifically and getting olives. They just were eating olives. They, yeah, right, yeah. Whatever they had in their homes, mm-hmm. that became the Dipnon meal. Mm-hmm. And they would offer it once a month. And that is what, what I do as well. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's never olives. Because none of us we eat don't olives. olives. No, heck, I've no. done blueberries. Yeah. You know, whatever I happen to have. I did raspberries this last one, you know. <laughs> I have asked Kakati if that is okay, mm-hmm. and I've gotten the yes. Whatever you have available, you the can offer. point op- is just that you're, that you're sharing your meal. It. Yes, that, that you're sharing it. That's it. That and cleaning the house. Rabbit says the gesture is the important part, and that is largely yes. true. Like mm-hmm. I said, even when they have arbitrary or specific requirements, you can usually work with them on it. But, okay, now something else I want to talk about. My advice frequently on this podcast is just ask and yes. see what answer you get. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get responses, if you ask and can't tell if you're getting an answer, that's okay. You're not a bad pagan. Mm-hmm. You can still just do whatever is, right. is available what? to you, whatever feels right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I'm going to explain sort of in more detail what I mean when I say, like, just ask and see what the answer is. Because it's not like when I asked the house spirits what they wanted for offerings and they told me milk and red fruit. And then when I went back to them later and said, hey, I don't have any red fruit. Can we do blueberries? They were like, okay. It's not like I heard them say in my mind or my ears that they wanted those things. What happened was I tried to offer them something else. I got a visceral bodily sense of don't like that. So I asked out loud what they would want. And then I milled around the kitchen until intuition took me in the right direction. And I continued asking out loud, is this okay? Do you want milk? Yes. Do you want raspberries? Yes. Do you always want raspberries? No. Do you want fruit in general? No. But you do want raspberries? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what about it is the, do you want berries in general? No. Do you want red berries? Close. Do you want red fruit? Yes. Like, that was the process. It was not like they came and said to me mm. in words that this was what they wanted. I went through like a whole experiential dialogue. I wasn't using any kind of divination tools. I was just following intuition through the kitchen, asking questions and seeing how I felt mm. in response to the answer to those questions. It's, it's very frequently, that's what, for me, mm -hmm. an interaction with a spirit or a god or an ancestor is like. It's not about hearing an in-English answer almost any of the time. It is ex sense. It's experiential. Very occasionally, it's visionary. Mm -hmm. It's much more frequently like a bodily experience. It's like when I did that first ritual for Hakati, mm -hmm. and I only washed my hands. And I did the ritual and I got the definite sense of, no, this isn't good enough. You're going to have to do that again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was a sense. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, wasn't verbal. verbal. Nope. It was just a no, rejected. Do it again. Yep. And that has been my experience for almost every experience I've had. When I relay these things to you, I usually say it like they wanted milk and red fruit and they said I could give them blueberries instead. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I've constructed it in my head, in my memory, as a narrative. But that's not the actual physical experience of mm -hmm. it. And that's going to be true for most people. Mm -hmm. For most of those experiences you see described, they're doing it like I am. They're sort of reconstructing the experience into a coherent narrative that they can say quickly and easily, mm -hmm. right? That's digestible. They're not describing the 20 questions the process. process of going through the kitchen and seeing right. how you feel. Or like how I learned that I needed to either take a ritual bath mm -hmm. or a ritual shower that I had to have a cover over my okay. head yeah. when I work with Hakati. And, and that was uh, like a layered experience mm -hmm. because you got that rejected sense mm -hmm. and then you weren't 100% sure why or what you needed to do and you had to go back and study how Hakati was worshipped in the past to figure mm -hmm. it out. So sometimes they're not even going to give you a straight answer. You're going to have to sort of do some kind digging. Do some digging. And because Hakati is a goddess who has, there's a lot of literature mm -hmm. out there from the ancients that we know how she was worshipped. That's why people today can extrapolate what we can do today. Right. And build off of what used to be done. And um, I think for some people where there's not any of that, mm -hmm. then you're you looking go at... strictly by your feelings. Or VPG. Yeah. Exactly. Verified personal notes. Yeah. Yep. So something Squeaky said is, oh my God, that's another imposter syndrome thing for me. I don't get senses from spirits or deities very often, and it makes me worry I'm not magical enough. I know that's not true, but 
Asshole brain. brain. Fin brain. Fin brain. Car, please talk about the fact that you don't get these experiences. Yeah, I don't get census at all. About the only thing I get are songs um, in my head that get stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. I I get an earworm, basically, of a song. And at some point, it finally clicks like, oh, the reason why I'm hearing this song is because of... Because of this situation. This this situation or or this God or this whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, I really don't get any senses. I don't remember dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, I he never has. Right. I, Just a very few occasional yep, ones. Occasionally, and they're usually like really fucked up ones mm-hmm. that I remember. I don't know that it's, that it's because I'm less connected, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I just don't. It's not how my mind operates. When I fall asleep, I'm done. Yep. And yet right? you know you are friend of the Dogda. Yes. Yep. yep. You have not, a... la- not Lady Car of the Dogda. Right. <laughs> but you also have been drawn to Kernunos. Yep. How, how did that happen to come about? I think probably the Gundustrop Cauldron. Mm-hmm. I just had been, I did a, I saw a documentary on it, started doing some research about it, and it just kind of fit. It kind mm-hmm. of Just kind of clicked for yeah, you. Yeah, just kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. There was never like a calling, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these people, a lot of people get, you know, calling they from deities and that kind of stuff. experiences. I yeah. haven't had any of that. So, right. you know, mine Which are basically, you- basically mine are like. I like this one, and I like that one, and this one over here, and I'm good. <laughs> yeah. so, Which doesn't make you a lesser pagan exactly. in any way. No. Exactly. I'm seeing so many people exactly. here saying, oh, I thought there was something wrong with me. Oh, I thought I was a bad witch. I thought I was a bad pagan. Mm-hmm. And you're not. You're not bad pagans. You're not bad witches. It's, and you're not even disconnected from anything. Yeah. You're just, even if you never have... Yeah. An experiential response from a, a god or a spirit. That doesn't mean you're not connected or you're not exactly. communicating. Exactly. Right? They're still hearing you. Mm-hmm. Right. Either they don't have anything to say or they don't know how to communicate with you or whatever. You know, whatever the situation is, you're not getting that experience. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not listening mm-hmm. or that you're disconnected or that you're doing anything wrong or maybe they're choosing to connect to you through your divination exactly in different ways in different ways like it took car forever to figure out the earworm thing yeah yeah the music thing took him forever to figure that out or perhaps you're someone who notices uh circumstances around you that other people would see as coincidence Mm -hmm. and maybe this is something that you can put together to go oh this is how my gods are speaking to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different ways. We all get kind of stuck in uh, in this concept that you have to hear or experience things the same way, and you just don't. My experiences tend to be visual, visceral, mm-hmm. tangible experiences, but not always. Yeah. Not always. Sometimes it varies. And I'm a super emotional person, mm-hmm. so normally I felt more connected when I've been more emotional Mm -hmm. watching the voice makes me cry Mm -hmm. or my car is very has a very tender heart (laughs) so you know you see you know the voice and it's four people singing which you never see on the voice because it's usually one person and all the chairs turn around and they finally show the group of four that's singing and they're all blind i end up like in a ball of like Mm -hmm. you know water laying on the ground um from my tears (laughs) 
that's I've always connected that with. They're, they're not sad tears. They're tears of joy mm-hmm. at something that's happening. It's it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, well, now I get the Dogda thing. Like, because he was a very joyful, little goofy, mm-hmm. you know, kidder, probably really big into dad jokes. Because <laughs> um, he was often, he would often run around with his, uh, his yes. kilt pulled up in the back so people would see his butt. Um, you know, just that dude. Times when I'm like, oh, well, I get this now because this is like him going, same <laughs> thing happens to me. Hey, bro. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's easy for me to make that connection, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. those kind of times where emotion overwhelms me. Yeah. I, I cry at fucking everything. You do. We see an inspirational story on yeah. anything and yeah. Kari's crying about it. <laughs> I mean, or getting I, choked up, yeah. uh-huh. you know. I, and there's other <laughs> people who experience that too. I'm seeing this too. I've watched the the chilling adventures of Sabrina mm-hmm. and I got verklempt because they were calling on Hakati. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Which like, Maybe a sign that Hikati is paying attention. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Right? Sometimes it's that simple. It is. It's worth sort of chasing those moments and seeing mm-hmm. what's behind that. Exactly. Like like getting verklempt over, you know, Hikati being invoked mm-hmm. on a television show. You just have to be open to it, I think, in, and uh, be willing to pay attention to those signs, especially if you're not someone who feels like you're really super connected to your deities. Mm-hmm. Start looking for other ways to, to see if they are communicating with you. It, mm. mis- it just may be different for Exactly. You. And yeah. it may not be dramatic. Nope. And it doesn't have to be. It's okay if it's not dramatic. And this goes back to sort of the thing I was saying about how religion doesn't have to be your whole life. And I, and I know some people mm-hmm. coming out of Christianity, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want it to be, that's okay. That's okay, yeah. That's, that's fair. I specifically didn't pursue a religion until I was sure I could spend enough time and energy on the process of finding the right one to be sure that I was doing it right and to do it to my satisfaction. So, like, I put off pursuing a religion for years because I wanted to have, like, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in the right mindset for it. But it doesn't have to be your whole life. It's okay if it's not. It's okay if it's something you do casually. It's okay if you have to take breaks from it. It's okay if all you ever do on your path ever is decide that you are a pagan and you believe in these gods and that's it. Mm-hmm. If that's all you ever do, you're still a pagan. Mm-hmm. Occasionally think about those gods and think, those are my gods. Those are the ones that I choose. And maybe pray casually, occasionally when you're mm-hmm. in traffic. That's okay. That's enough. You are a pagan. Oh, and I'd like to also put this You don't this have out to there. perform paganism for anybody. I would like to put this out there for witches as well. Mm-hmm. If all you ever do is candle spells, that's okay too. They don't have to be elaborate. They can just be a single candle with your intention. You light it and mm-hmm. off you go. And then just leave it. And there's this idea between witchcraft and wishcraft. There, and Sorry, I've never heard of this. Yes, it's a, and some people who say, you know, if your spells aren't elaborate enough, if they're not detailed enough, if you haven't got enough correspondence... Oh, then you're just way, wishing? Then you're just wishing. Oh, it's fuck not, those people. Exactly. That's my whole point. Those people can get fucked. <laughs> exactly. If all you have is a candle and you need... And, and a wish. And a wish, your intention... That's all you need. Yeah, that's witchcraft. Okay? That's Anybody witch- who tells you otherwise that's can witchcraft. truly get fucked and send them to this episode so they can hear it. Exactly. Because you do not need <laughs> you do not need to perform to anybody else's standards to be a witch or a pagan. Now you might have to perform to certain standards to be in a tradition, yes. but that's different. That's complete that's a completely different thing. Finn <laughs> said when I was talking about how 
All you have to do to be a pagan is believe in certain gods. Finn said, does cussing them count? Yes. 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 If you cuss out, like, the Norse gods when you get mad because you believe in them and that it's their fault this happened, then yes, you count as a pagan. Yes, exactly. But no, I think gatekeeping is a very big, important part of this whole discussion Mm -hmm. because I think gatekeeping is part of the reason some people then feel invalidated about their own practice. They feel like they're a fraud or an imposter because someone who is a gatekeeper has told them that they shouldn't be doing the thing Mm -hmm. or whatever Or that if they're not doing the thing, Mm -hmm. they don't count. Yeah, like the the whole witchcraft, wishcraft thing. Yeah, I've never heard of this before, but fuck it completely. Right? It's just bullshit. You're just a different kind of witch. You're just a different kind of witch. It's the same thing with Gwen and I are different kinds of witches. Exactly. I like to do spells that have a lot of components because it makes me feel good to get a lot of, like, Mm -hmm. stuff involved. I like to touch things with my magic. Gwyn does not feel the need to do that for every spell. Not for every spell. Or any spell, really. No, I mean, she can. Mm -hmm. Right. And she does sometimes. And sometimes, and when we collaborate, there's usually usually stuff. Because I like the stuff. Mm -hmm. But you don't need any of that. No, you don't. And it's okay for us to do these things differently. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now we've discussed the problem of imposter syndrome. That's right. Let's discuss the solutions to imposter syndrome. That's right. Which is that there isn't one. <laughs> you're, so, exactly. Yeah. So you're always going to have what are called imposter moments mm-hmm. where your brain is an asshole and it tells you that you're not doing enough or you're not doing it right or whatever. And you're going to feel like a fraud. You're always going to have that moment. The trick is to not let that moment control your behavior. This is something I learned in therapy when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is that my feelings are going to happen without my consent. It's just a matter of what I do about them. And I think it's important, especially in since we're talking about how do you overcome imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. the definition of an imposter is someone who pretends to be something they are not with the intention to deceive. Mm-hmm. You're not an imposter. You're not intending to deceive anybody through what you're doing right. as a witch. Uh, Or or a pagan. pagan. You're just trying to live your life. You're allowed to be there. You're allowed to be doing these things, Mm -hmm. whether you're meeting your own arbitrary standards or not. How to try and sort of subvert the imposter moment is to reframe the thought. Imposter syndrome creates a kind of free-floating anxiety, Mm -hmm. but it usually starts from a specific thought, which may be an intrusive thought, or it may just be a thought you're stuck on. Which is something like, I don't belong here, my work isn't good enough, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So how you subvert that is you accept that you've had this thought, because you're not going to be able to get rid of it until you do. Mm -hmm. And then you reframe it in relationship to reality. Which is tricky, because it requires you to... Look at the situation rationally, logically. Uh, with your reality glasses. With your reality glasses, <laughs> which is hard yep. when you're in the middle of an imposter moment, and right? If you're if you're in a spiral with your thoughts. Exactly. So first step, break the spiral if you're in one. Something Gwyn taught me to do is I have a little thing, a little vial full of frankincense. And according to Gwyn, this will actually chemically do something. But for mm-hmm. me, what it does is just... It does. The practical effect of the frankincense is that when I'm in a spiral, I open the vial, I smell the frankincense, and that is a cue for my brain that it's time to stop doing that. 
mm-hmm. to break that spiral to switch tracks. And that's an association I've created for myself. And you can do that with anything. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be with nope. frankincense, although apparently it does do something chemical. It can just <laughs> be, you know, you have a little like a knickknack or a toy that you can carry in your pocket where if you flip it a certain way or like uh, it has a texture that you like mm-hmm. or... You know what? You can get one of those little, uh, those little timers. Yeah, things. get one of those little uh, hourglass, hourglass timers. Yeah, where you just flip it upside down and watch the sand go. And as you watch the sand go, that spiral just dissipates. Yes, just and and this is something you have to train yourself to do. It's not going to happen automatically, but when you sense yourself spiraling, when you know you're spiraling, you get out your little timer or you open your frankincense or whatever. You you get your knickknack. Your squishy. Your, your um, totem item, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, to borrow from, God, what was that movie? Inception. And you flip it or you spin it or you open it or whatever the physical action is that you do with the item. And at the same time that you're doing that, you consciously let go of that thought. Mm -hmm. You let go of that spiral. You consciously move your attention out of that negative space and into a neutral frame of mind so that you can start the work of reframing the situation. Once you've broken the spiral, and again, I find it very useful to have the little item, the little totem thing to just flip or spin or play with or whatever. Mm-hmm. That helps cue your brain. And you're going to have to do this repeatedly so that it sets up a little automatic reflex in your brain. Once you've done that and you've broken the spiral, the next step is to reframe it, which is to, instead of saying, like, my work's not good enough or I don't belong here, you replace that thought, mm-hmm. which you've just discarded, with something like, my work is meeting standards or... I do belong here. You don't have to believe it right now. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of putting that thought into your brain because how your brain works is that it it sort of builds these habits based on the things you think. Sometimes it can be even something as simple as just acknowledging your uh, self as a witch or a pagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am liter- a witch. I am a, witch. I am a pagan. Mm-hmm. Rosa said, have to check the facts of reality, not the facts your emotions are trying to give you. Exactly. And, and so this replace is, it. And this is where things like talking to other people in your workplace or in your coven or whatever and checking with them can help because they're not experiencing the same imposter moment that you are, they should be able to help give you a literally a reality check Mm -hmm. because you're seeing a distortion of reality. You're experiencing a distortion of reality in that moment. Mm -hmm. You're allowing your fears Mm -hmm. to overwhelm what the true perception, what your true perception or what your perception is of true events or experiences. Mm -hmm. And that can be as simple as literally here in our Discord, we mm-hmm. have the vent channel. We have a bunch of channels for paths. Literally, if you are feeling like an imposter, go into one of those channels and just say everything mm-hmm. you're worried about. And chances are someone in the Discord will tell you you don't have to be worried about that. Yep. Finn yeah. just mentioned a uh, perfect time to plug the spiritual tag. Yeah. Go True. ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Jim. So uh, Jim Two Snakes, you can look him up on the internet. Mm-hmm. Patreon as well. And he has that same kind of... Yeah, Jim like has personal a personal one-on-one. Jim spiritual Jim dad. has a Patreon for a program he calls Spiritual Dad, where he'll give you reality checks mm-hmm. and advice mm-hmm. and if you need to go that a deeper level, yeah, if right. you need like, more help, if you need more help. But it is, I think it's a great idea just to go in and check with, check in with people mm-hmm. in the Discord, in the Facebook group. Well, and that's say, the reason why we have a magic and mental health channel. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and you can just say, wow, I've really been experiencing this, this, and this. Do you have suggestions or mm-hmm. is anybody else feeling this I way? I haven't been doing these things. Is mm-hmm. that okay? Yeah, exactly. 90% of the time someone will tell you, yeah, that's fine. Okay. So I, I guess we're good. All right. Yeah, so that's it for <laughs> imposter syndrome. Right. You are witch or pagan enough. Your brain is being an asshole. Tell it to fuck off. Just that's like right. Finn. And just remember to, to give yourself a break. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) Give yourself permission to not be perfect. Exactly. And try not to, you know, it's fun to look at at other people's photos and Mm -hmm. hear about other people's experiences. But remember that those are curated looks at that person's practice. Exactly. They are the best moments of that person's practice, not the everyday. So don't compare your practice to theirs. All right. If you want to find out more about Three Pagans and a Cat, you can Google us. (laughs) Just put in the number three... Pagans and a cat, and you'll get three to five pages of places you can find us, including our Patreon, our Facebook page and group, our Twitter, uh, Gwyn's, well, R, although Gwyn is the only one who does anything with it. Patheos, Patheos Pagan, Pagan blog. blog. The yeah. YouTube channel. The YouTube channel. Stuff. Yep. So that's the Three you... Pagans on Tap YouTube channel also mm-hmm. exists. Yep. You can find us everywhere. Yeah. On all the much. stuff. On all the stuff. And, um, you know, also tell your friends and neighbors about the podcast. Because why not? Last minute plug for Finn's TikTok. That's right. Yes. Oh. We're still trying to get to 20,000 so that we can force him to dance. That's right. You can also Although find I me. Although I have heard that Finn has already recorded the dance. Oh, yeah. so we just have to get just someone get to upload it. That's right. right. Maybe so we, we need to... to recruit his children. Right, yeah. <laughs> I also want to say you can find me on TikTok as well. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Gwen yep. does the occasional Gwen TikTok. I'm on TikTok. But you don't use it. I've done three. I'm not even and on And they it. were last February. Yeah. Yep. So, almost a year I, ago. Yep. TikTok is fun. All right. All I right. think that's, that's, think that's everything. That's and we're we're going to yep. say goodbye. We're going to say goodbye, goodnight. <laughs> click the button. Click it. Oh, shit, it's all the way over click there. It. That's click not my fault. Ticket. And I have to click, click it or ticket. <laughs> you know what? Fine. <laughs> Fucking ticket me. Go ahead. I dare you. Click it. Click it. I don't want to click it. Click it.